At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome to Point Spread Saturday here on VSEN, the sports betting network, as we get you set for conference championship Sunday in the NFL. Of course, a lot of college basketball coming up as well. Plenty of teams in action in the top 25 and the NBA. Small slate tonight of compact games, but a lot of exciting games going on. And I'll break it all down for you. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for joining me here on Point Spread Saturday. We've got so much to do across the next two hours with you till 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. As we get into conference championship Sunday, where to place your wages, where to find the value, prop bets, side total. We're going to do it all right here on Point Spread Saturday. And let's start with Conference Championship Sunday. And before we get into the games themselves, let's just look at a couple of trends that have presided over Conference Championship Sunday that you may want to follow as we get into the games here today. The outright winner in Conference Championship Sunday is in a 35-5 and against the spread run. That's how it's been. So if you're looking for value, it really is on the money line if you're going to follow those trends between the Bengals and the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Rams. As you can see, the numbers and the totals posted right there on your screen. Hosts are 13-3 and straight up and on an 11-5 and ATS run in conference championship play. However, be aware of home favorites that are of a big number in conference championship Sunday. Teams... Closing as seven-point favorites or higher are 12-5 and five straight up, but just 6-11 and 11 against the number since 1999. Conversely, hosts favored by seven points or fewer are 14-5 and five straight up and 13-6 and six against the number in their last 19 tries. Those games have also gone over the total at a 13-5-1 rate in that span. Teams that won by seven points or fewer in the divisional round are just 2-15 and 15 straight up and 6-11 and 11 against the spread in their last 17 road conference title games. This trend applies to both Cincinnati and San Francisco coming up tomorrow. And then finally, home teams that are 13-2 and two straight up and 10-5 and five against the number in the last 15 AFC clashes and 12-5 and five straight up and 9-8 and eight against the number in the last 17 a- uh, NFC championship games. So there are some trends that you can just follow here uh, as we get set to look at the AFC championship game, which is the first one teed up there. As you see, Kansas City laying seven uh, and a total of 54, 54 and a half. I have a weird feeling about this game. I mean, it seems that seven points would be a lot given what Kansas City just went through and how close Cincinnati has played their first two playoff games. 
The public has said otherwise. The public is laying it with Kansas City, and they are laying it heavily. From that standpoint, it's just really tough for me to get behind Kansas City. I can't back a team that is this much heavily bet on by the public, not only with the sheer number of bets that are made, but the percentage of the handle that is on Kansas City. That said, I do think this game sort of from a game script standpoint unfolds heavily in favor of Kansas City. And the game that pops into my head wasn't the game that they played against Kansas City earlier this year, one that Kansas City actually won. But I go back to last year's AFC Championship game where Buffalo made their first appearance against the big bad boys from the AFC in Kansas City. And they kind of got their doors blown off. The game was never really close. Buffalo jumped out to actually an early lead, a 9-0 lead in that game. But it was 21-12 to at half in favor of Kansas City. And it was 38 to, uh, I think it was 38-15 to by the time the fourth quarter had started. Buffalo had scored two gar- you know, 10 garbage points at the end of the fourth quarter. The game was never in doubt. It was never in reach. And I kind of almost feel like that's the way this game is going to go. Uh, I could see this game being a blowout in favor of Kansas city. Sometimes the public is right. Not often, uh, but I still wouldn't back them in this spot, Kansas city, just because of how much of the public is on Kansas city. But I do think there is a, a chance the game goes down that road. And if it does go down that road, I believe it. And I think the under can come in. That's where I'm going to put my play in this game is on the under. I don't know if, if Cincinnati is going to be able to score and do their part to get this thing over 54. I could see this end up being like a 31 to 13 kind of game, 37, 13. that gets you right around 50, 52, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, even 37, 17 gets me right under the total of 54 and a half. So, you know, uh, Kansas City may be out of their depth here against a team like, I'm sorry, Cincinnati rather, may be out of their depth here against a team like Kansas City. This moment may just be too big for this young quarterback, Joe Burrow, who's got all of the the talent in the world, and everybody loves him right now. But they don't love him as much as they love Patty Mahomes and Kansas City. And so I, I don't know that this game mirrors the, from a game script standpoint, mirrors the game that they played earlier this year. Um, I would play, place a, a bet on Kansas City in one spot, and that's in the first half. They're laying four and a half in the first half. If you look at Kansas City, they got out to a big sprint lead against Pittsburgh in the the wild card round. They got out to a big sprint lead against Buffalo last week. The first time these two teams played, Kansas City and Cincinnati, they got out to a big lead in the first half. Kansas City had to come back. That may be the format. And I, I talk about, you know, the last AFC championship game last year against Buffalo. They got out to a 21 to 12 lead at halftime. I could see Cincinnati coming out and being very nervous, you know, not being able to execute well on the road in a tough place to play. You know, Joe Burrow came out and said, oh, these SEC stadiums are louder than any place in the NFL. Welcome to Arrowhead, kid. Um, it's the toughest place in the NFL to play. And so, you know, this is a spot here. When I look at this game from a game script standpoint, again, I think that Kansas City can get a, a fast start. It's what they're really good at. Uh, and Cincinnati's offensive line clearly is going to be a, a, a problem now, I don't know if Kansas City is good enough to get nine sacks the way Tennessee did last week. I don't think that'll happen again. I think Cincinnati wisely would address the protection issues for Joe Burrow because they'll get killed uh, for the second week in a row if they don't. But that said, still, Kansas City in their favor that the offensive line for Cincinnati is that bad. And so I, I really kind of look from a game script standpoint for Kansas City to be able to start fast and Cincinnati to struggle on the road in a tough place to play 
like Arrowhead. So I wouldn't mind a Kansas City first half bet. I don't think that is a is a terrible play, especially from a game script standpoint and how fast Kansas City usually starts. But it's just hard to back them at seven. And and to this point, again, maybe you wait. Maybe you wait to see if a seven and a half pops up tomorrow. Uh, if there's enough money that continues to come in uh, and, and you can get to seven and a half, that's not a bad buy point on Cincinnati. And I would expect that some of the the Sharps and the Wise Guys would buy back in on Cincinnati um, as the books have held steady at seven pretty much across the board throughout the entire week. But if you get seven and a half, yeah, I, I think it's you're playing the number more than a team per se, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But still, this is a situation where I'm not sure that Cincinnati has the chops to stay with a team like Kansas City. So uh, I'm afraid to lay it with Kansas City because I just think it's too much of a public bet. But I do like the under. I think Kansas City can roll and dominate defensively. And I think that Cincinnati may be out of their element. And if they're constantly playing catch up and can't run the ball and they can't get any semblance of a run game going, that puts Patrick Mahomes on the field more than he needs to be for Cincinnati's liking. And it could get ugly early. So that's the way I'll play this game. I'll take the under 54 and a half, a little bit of a contrarian under as a lot of the public too is on the over decidedly. Uh, as you can see, again, with them all being on one side, uh, you tend to fade the public in that sense. All right, let's take a look at props for this game as we go forward. Joe Burrow, uh, his yardage prop over 286 and a half. I've seen it one book. If it's at 290, you may start to get a little bit of squeamish, but still, you know, it, look, he went over this total last week. He went over this total the last time these two teams played. If they're going to win, they're going to have to throw the ball and they're going to have to do so effectively. You'd love to be able to see them have a running game. But as the game script I detailed before plays out, if they're behind, they're going to be throwing a ton to play catch up. It's the only the only way they know how to do it. Joe Mixon is a very capable running back, but I don't know if that's the game script that unfolds. Uh, it's almost like Cincinnati, uh, you know, would, would have to do opposite of what they do really well and just forget about throwing and hope they, they, they can establish a run game and eat up clock. So um, but I think that the game script lends to Joe Burrow throwing a lot more than them running. And so I would play his over uh, Patrick Mahomes at 290. It's a coin flip just because, yes, he can easily go over that number if they get into the shootout back and forth, as he did in the first game against Cincinnati. But there are a lot of game scripts where if they get a big lead, in the second half, Kansas City may just be running the ball a lot and, and short passes and keeping the clock moving, keeping the chains moving, things of that nature. So um, I'm not sure I would I would back Patrick Mahomes at that number, but I would do Joe Burrow. Uh, some of the reception props that I like. Now, receptions total. You have to play Jamar Chase is over. He's going to get the requisite target share. He did it last week. They're going to have to force him the ball. There is absolutely no way they cannot throw the ball his way. At over five and a half, I think you have to play it. There's no way you can play the under. I wouldn't play his yardage prop because I just think it's too high. You can't play the under, um, and they may blanket him and allow him to get catches but keep him in front of him. I also like C.J. Uzama, the tight end, over three and a half. He's gone over this number in four straight games, and Joe Burrow has found him as a comfortable target right in the middle of the field. I think he is a great receptions prop at over three and a half. I love him for an anytime touchdown at plus 220. I think he'll find the end zone, uh, especially if they are behind. You know, Kansas City will blanket the outside and get Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Board out of the way. They'll leave the middle of the field open. Longest reception, Tyree Kill over 24 and a half. You find this what happens with Kansas City a lot. It's either a Tyree Kill game or a Travis Kelsey game. Well, Tyree Kill went over this 24 and a half in three consecutive games. Uh, this is a number that he easily can eclipse. They will look to find him. Over 24 and a half longest receptions for Tyree Kill, I would play. 
Um, I look at some of the rushing yard props over Joe Burrow, eight and a half maybe, uh, but I don't know how much he's going to run. Patrick Mahomes, his number jumped up. He was in the teens last week. He's at over 28 and a half um, right now, and it's juiced to the over. Don't know if I'd play that. I do have a, a crazy sort of anytime touchdown play that I like, and it's Kansas City's defense plus 260. Just call it a gut feeling. Not much of a handicap there, but I believe there will be a play because of this offensive line. Um, there could be a sack fumble, and Kansas City picks it up and scores. That, to me, would leave for a nice little play at plus 260 on Kansas City uh, as far as a prop is concerned. All right, when we come back, we'll dive into the NFC Championship game as we continue along here on Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Tino. Thanks so much for watching Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. This winter's hottest horse race, the $3 million Pegasus World Cup, is this Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Sign up to bet it with one ST bet using promo code VEGAS25 to get $25 instantly for just signing up. Visit vsen.com slash horses to sign up if you're a horse racing fan. First bet is the place for you. Visit vcin.com slash horses to sign up for this special Pegasus World Cup offer today. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno with you here, here as we get set for Championship Sunday in the NFL. And a lot of trends backing uh, this weekend that you can follow if you so choose, if that's your thing. One of the trends that, that I didn't mention prior to the break and why I'm on the under, I'm following here the referee trend. Uh, and that is Bill Vinovich, who is the lead ref in the AFC championship game between Kansas City and Cincinnati. 59% of the time, the under comes in when Bill Vinovich is the ref. He also historically has leaned towards road teams that are 55% against the spread. So, uh, well, again, I'm not going to back Cincinnati at seven at seven and a half. It would be a buy point for me. I'd get to the window on them, um, but I am going to take the under 54 and a half in that first game. Now the lead ref for the NFC championship game, Carl Sheffers has trended slightly to road teams as well at 51.2% and overs at 50%. So he is sort of more down the middle necessarily than Bill Vinovich is one more trend to follow here. Since 2004 playoff experience has mattered a great deal to championship hosts. Home teams in the playoffs in the prior year were 20 and six straight up and 16 and 10 against the number, including seven and one and six and two ATS versus teams that weren't in the playoffs the prior season. 
that latter trend applies to both games here in 2022 as the Rams made the postseason last year, as did the Kansas City Chiefs. San Francisco 49ers were out, as were the Cincinnati Bengals. So, again, uh, do with the trends what you will. Um, there is a lot of trends you can follow. You can find trends on both sides here. It's just a matter of uh, where your handicap puts you and whether the trend applies or not. We've already done the AFC championship game. Let's switch over to the NFC championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the LA Rams. And the Rams here are laying three and a half at home. You're seeing a total of 46 actually been bet down a little bit from the initial opening of 47. I'm going to back the 49ers here at three and a half as much for the number as it is for the team. Um, there's a lot of things here about the 49ers that certainly uh, are, are you like and you want to follow. First of all, the Rams haven't beaten the 49ers in the last six tries. The last time the Rams had beaten San Francisco, it was 2018. Uh, so San Francisco has sort of had their numbers, as has Kyle Shanahan, when it comes to going up head to head against Sean McVay. Obviously, San Fran won both of these meetings uh, earlier in the year, including the final week of the regular season where the Rams had a 17 nothing lead at half. And the 49ers charged all the way back in the second half to win the game 27-24 in overtime. And what a run it's been since the second half of that final week, uh, week 18 of the regular season for the 49ers. They win that second half. They go into Dallas. They win four quarters there. They go into Green Bay. They win four quarters there. Now you're asking to go again on the road, which now is the fourth consecutive week at the Rams final week, week 18, at Dallas, at Green Bay, and now at the Rams once again. Um, and, and I think there are a lot of things here that you can look at for San Francisco uh, that help them. I mean, again, one, you're out of the elements that were in Green Bay, so their offense should be a little bit more effective and a little bit more potent than it was last week. Clearly, it's an opponent that they know well. And you can go back to this trend, oh, the hardest thing to do is beat a team three times in the same season. Well, you know, uh, this is a little bit of a different NFL now than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when that that sort of saying was brought into the ethos on a regular basis. Uh, coaching certainly has a much bigger impact, as does play calling now, than it has before. So it's not just about, you know, force on force, talent on talent, skill on skill kind of deal. But the 49ers here, uh, you know, they just have a ton of momentum. And, and I think that matters. And you look at a Rams team that had a big lead last week and then got all the way caught up on and had it not been for some really bad defense, they might even be in this game at this point in time. So you could argue that the Rams are not necessarily a team that doesn't belong here, but they are, they are a team that needed some good fortune to get here. The 49ers have flat out beat their opponents the last three weeks and, and, and have been in every single game. They've never trailed by a considerable margin. Um, they led over Dallas for pretty much the entire game. Uh, they were never obviously down by more than seven at any point in time to uh, to Green Bay. But San Francisco just has a play calling advantage. I think they've got a weapon advantage. Now, yeah, again, this is one of these things where you have to look at Trent Williams being healthy and playing. We assume that he is to this point. Debo Samuel being healthy and playing. And Jimmy G here is a lot more comfortable uh, against a, a known opponent like the Rams than he probably would be against a team like Green Bay or even Dallas to that aspect. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan knows exactly how to work through these moments. Uh, and, and you have to learn to start to back coaches as much as you're backing quarterbacks and teams because it matters. I, I believe that Shanahan is a better coach than Sean McVay. Sean McVay sometimes does some really perplexing things that sort of make me scratch my head. So uh, while I don't think he's as bad as some of the other coaches in this league, I certainly get, get a little pause from Sean McVay um, in sort of his game management skills. 
The one bugaboo about San Francisco that has been hard to really swallow is their propensity for the turnover, including Jimmy G and his propensity for the turnover, because it happens. He's going to throw a bad pick at an inopportune time. The problem is, or I shouldn't say the problem, the fortunate part for the 49ers is over the last three weeks in those games, they haven't lost the turnover battle. It's been even. And as long as they win the turnover battle or stay even, the edge goes to San Francisco. Uh, and what you haven't seen from Matt Stafford and what sort of was their their downfall in the very decisive victory earlier this year when it was 31 to 10 was that Matt Stafford threw two interceptions in that game. That 31 to 10 victory back on November 15th um, in San Francisco is because Matt Stafford threw two picks that they couldn't overcome. Matt Stafford's managed to avoid those interceptions um, in the first two playoff games against Arizona and Tampa Bay. Will it show up this week? I, it, it's hard to know. Again, turnovers aren't predictive, and and it's it's hard to put one in your handicap saying, I got a really good feeling they're going to turn the ball. Well, you know, it doesn't work that way. Um, But this is one of those, as simple as it is to say, uh, the turnover, the team that wins the turnover battle is probably going to have the edge in this game. And because the trend I told you before about outright winners covering the number, it's San Francisco and the San Francisco money line probably isn't a bad little sprinkle. Um, here, when you ask me where I'm going to put my money and how I'm going to play this thing, it makes a, a lot of sense to back San Fran in this spot against an opponent that they know. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to lay it, or rather, I'm going to take the three and a half points with the San Francisco 49ers. From a prop standpoint, uh, I think there are a lot of valuable plays here uh, as we go through it. Anytime touchdown props. Uh, I don't think you can do anything with Cooper Cup or Deaver Samuel at minus money. I mean, sure, they'll probably get in, but I don't want to lay 145 on Cooper Cup. Um, to, to get 100 back. It's just, I don't know that there's a ton of value there. Uh, even when you get to Elijah Mitchell, a guy I'm going to talk about here in a minute, he's at plus 105. I could, you could argue that's a great one. Odell Beckham at plus 140. I think he finds the end zone. My bet for the Rams, though, is at Sonny Michelle uh, at plus 290. I think the value is there. Sure, Cam Akers has got a better or, or a shorter line at plus 100. He's basically even money. Um, but Sonny Michelle is the kind of guy I think that Sean McVay goes to in the end zone. Uh, as a little bit of a, of, a, of a bigger back and a more reliant back. Passing yards. I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo's over 224 and a half. He's had a depressed number for the last couple of weeks with good reason. Um, he hasn't been able to throw the ball. But if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo versus NFC West opponents, they throw a lot more. And he goes over this number a lot. Now, he didn't go over it in the first meeting between these two teams, that 31 to 10 game, because again, it was a short field from Matthew Stafford turnovers, but he did do it in the final week of the regular season, go over this number. They're going to have to pass uh, and pass effectively against this Rams team. So I'm going to go over Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, passing yardage prop at 224. Rushing yards, Debo Samuel over 40 and a half. The two previous meetings, he's gone over this number against the Rams. Elijah Mitchell over 69 and a half. The two previous meetings uh, against the the Rams, he's gone over this number. He has, he has been a staple part of the back of the running game for San Francisco. So I'm going to go there. Got to back Odell Beckham Jr. again. There's no reason not to. He's getting his requisite target share um, at, at over 52 and a half. His receptions number is four and a half up from three and a half last week. Still, Matthew Stafford is going to find him. He's going to find him early and get him into a rhythm because he knows much similar to kind of like LeBron. Uh, when he starts feeding the ball and dishing and getting guys involved early, it makes him more useful throughout the rest of the game. I think that Odell Beckham will go over his four and a half receptions and over 52 yards. Now, Elijah Mitchell is an play I'm going to talk about here. He's receptions yards is over 10 and a half and his receptions is over one and a half. 
in both previous meetings, he did not catch a single pass. That would lead to the under. But I believe he'll be a bigger part of the offense here. Those numbers are short. Uh, they're very low. It's not a bad play. I wouldn't put a full unit on or anything like that, but it's a little sprinkle that Elijah Mitchell could catch two passes and get over 10 and a half yards. So uh, those are some of the props that I really like for this here uh, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams, the NFC Championship game. All right, we got a lot more to do. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus. We'll dive into both these championship games at every angle possible, side total and props as well. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us here on Point Spread Saturday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to this segment. Point Spread Saturday is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leak equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches, smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head over to zinn.com slash find, locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back in Two Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning of championship weekend in the NFL with me. And joining us now for Pro Football Focus, Ben Brown joins us here on Point Spread Saturday. Ben, good morning, and thank you for being here. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Obviously, you know, one more day until we get uh, conference championship week, and then we're all on the downhill. Only three more games of NFL action. So uh, the season happened pretty quickly, I would say. Yeah, it kind of went by in the blink of an eye, uh, and, and nobody got COVID during the playoffs. Shocking. Uh, go figure that out. Anyway, <laughs> let's start with the AFC Championship game. Uh, obviously, the focus will be on these two quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. You know, from a game script standpoint here, it, it's logical to think, Ben, that Cincinnati would want to run the ball, try to keep this, this Kansas City offense off the field. But I just don't know if that really plays to their strength. Uh, you know, obviously, they're, they're playmakers on the outside, Jamar Chase and everybody else. Um, Joe Burrow has got to have a high level of command of this offense if they hope to stay in this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think if they get in some of those, you know, first and 10 run situations with Joe Mixon second and long and continue to kind of pound the rock with them, they're going to put themselves, you know, behind the chains basically really quickly. Third and long, uh, they were, you know, somewhat successful against the Kansas City Chiefs in that week 17 matchup, getting, you know, successful completions on third and long, but that's not where they want to live whatsoever. Uh, Kansas City has been uh, pretty decent defensively and forcing teams into those uh, type of third and long, fourth and one decisions. We even saw that last week against Buffalo. The thing was, is Buffalo was just able to kind of convert you know, a lot of those opportunities. So I do think Kansas city can definitely be successful in that particular uh, setup. If they do force Joe Burrow to third and long, because of course he has been, you know, really susceptible to uh, a lot of sacks and those sorts of things. So uh, if they kind of uh, are intent on pounding Joe Mixon, I don't think that spells too correctly or too good for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals offense. So that, that definitely makes me nervous. If we have, you know, a high volume uh, Joe Mixon type of game here for uh, Cincinnati's chances of actually covering outright. Is this one of these correlating bet situations here where the game has to go under since Cincinnati's going to win? Because I feel like if Kansas City gets into the mid-30s, 
I, 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 although Cincinnati has the offense to keep up, like it just seems to favor the shootout, you know, favors Kansas city more than anything else. And I know that you go back to the game earlier this year that, that Cincinnati won. There's an argument to be made that had they not gotten a ton of breaks and really bad penalty calls, um, at, you know, down the stretch there, that they may not even win that game. Like, you know, they, they did get a couple of breaks at the end there uh, that put them in a position where they could just kick the field goal and win the thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even on that last drive, right, there was a third down conversion basically with defensive pass interference where T. Higgins kind of got bodied out of bounds, which was a pretty questionable call. There were a few other uh, scenarios like that where Cincinnati definitely benefited from it. So I do think, you know, that looking back at the week 17 game, Cincinnati played at their absolute ceiling. Very little mistakes, obviously uh, a number of, you know, high yards after the catch from Jamar Chase specifically. Uh, and Kansas City didn't really play all that well. So I do agree with you 100%. I do think it, like it's a heavy correlation with the Bengals covering seven and a half in this game going, you know, well short of 54 and a half points. I do think that's probably the only path uh, that Cincinnati has uh, is going to probably keep this one close is in that particular one. I do think another option to bet that is potentially uh, Joel Burrow to go under 0.5 interceptions. He has, you know, been really good taking care of the football uh, from PFF's perspective. Uh, he has the fourth lowest turnover worthy play percentage in 2021. What well, hasn't had a bad pass basically since that week 13 match against the Los Angeles chargers. So he's been really clean. But I do think recency bias uh, with, you know, the interception going off Samaj Perrine's hands last weekend uh, has given us a little bit of a plus price opportunity here. So I do think those three events kind of happening all together uh, make a lot of sense for the for the game script that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to end up covering. But, you know, on the flip side of that, if Patch Mahomes gets hot, if, you know, that Kansas City Chiefs offense is hitting shots downfield along with taking advantage of stuff, some of the stuff over the middle with Tyreek Hill underneath, uh, this game could definitely get out of hand here pretty quickly. You mentioned the props, Ben, too, that I, I genuinely like. One of them, Tyreek Hill's uh, longest reception, over 24 and a half yards. Uh, he, they're, they're just going to find him the ball and uh, in, in, in the ability to get in space. I, I, I don't know how you keep him there. Um, he's gone over this number three games in a row now, so I like that. But I do have a, a little bit of a flyer that I'm going to take on Kansas City's defense to score a touchdown here at plus 260. I just think with the offensive line where it is, well, I don't think they're going to get nine sacks. I could easily see a bad situation happening where it's a sack fumble kind of deal and Kansas City picks it up and runs it in. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I like a little bit of a sprinkle on that Kansas City Chiefs defensive score. But yeah, I do I do agree 100% uh, with Tyreek Hill. I'm on his over 6.5 receptions. He has been, you know, really heavily targeted. I think uh, this was his lowest a dot season since his rookie year. So it has been a lot more stuff underneath. They have been trying to get, you know, Mikel Hardman, Byron Pringle, those sorts of shots downfield. And I do think they're trying to get uh, Tyreek Hill in space. So heavily involved more so even than the guy like Travis Kelsey. So I do think he's kind of, you know, going to dictate this chiefs passing offense. I do think they're going to be really successful uh, in targeting him. So I don't know. We'll see. I do. I might have to sprinkle a little bit on that chiefs uh, defensive touchdown. That is, that is definitely an interesting spot. Cause like you said, you know, obviously Joe Burrow heavily susceptible to one of those sacks uh, and, and a six and a, you know, a strip sacks fumble could easily happen there uh, and get you a really nice plus price payout on that opportunity. So I'm getting on board with that one. I'm going to tell you with that one, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben Brown. All right, let's switch over to the <laughs> NFC championship game here. Uh, I'm back in the 49ers. Uh, they've won six straight times against the Rams. 
Uh, and more than anything, it, it's probably just a back of Kyle Shanahan uh, and his ability to, to scheme his way through this thing. Obviously, you take all the elements that were in the game last week out of it. You get Debo Samuel is going to play. Uh, th this is a spot here where the 49ers can control the tempo. Uh, and Matt Stafford has, has avoided the INTs. But I think, um, you know, while it's not predictive, he may have one this week finally. But I also believe it or not, I'm going to trust Jimmy G to be able to, to work through the air in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's I think they're honestly going to have to. I do think that, uh, you know, the Rams defense is going to be, you know, focused on stopping that Kyle Shanahan, you know, zone heavy run blocking scheme. Uh, obviously, the heavy motion uh, dictates, you know, the Rams coverage setup and those sorts of things. So I think maybe that's, you know, obviously a concern for the Los Angeles Rams perspective. But I think if you definitely buy into San Francisco, uh, you know, not only covering, but winning this game outright, it absolutely is going to have to be uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo show. And I do think that he's going to be pretty successful especially over the middle uh, targeting George Kittle like he was last week against the Green Bay Packers. That is where, uh, you know, the Rams defense is most susceptible. Obviously, they have Jalen Ramsey on the outside kind of locking down the opposing team's number one wide receiver. But uh, the, the 49ers don't really give them that opportunity. And that's, you know, just another reason why it's such a difficult matchup for Los Angeles uh, in general. Uh, but I do think that over the middle, even with Taylor Rapp potentially being uh, back, I do think that they're going to be able to take advantage uh, quite a bit of that. And I do think it's going to be George Kittle. So I don't know. I know you mentioned maybe liking, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell uh, receiving mm -hmm. yards prop as well. I do. I do think, you know, him going over 11.5 receiving yards uh, makes a ton of sense, given the fact that he could, you know, potentially be a little bit more involved in the passing game than the running game here. Yeah. It gave me a little bit of a pause because in the first two meetings, he didn't catch a single pass at all. He was used heavily in the run game and he went over his six his rushing yards prop is at 69 and a half. He cleared both those totals by a considerable margin in the first two meetings. And, you know, the way Debo Samuel from the first meeting when these two teams met has been more phased into the running game. And oh, by the way, he went over his rushing yards prop of 40 and a half. Uh, in both previous meetings. So I just worry that with so many weapons and the way Kyle Shanahan spreads all around um, that he may not need to put Elijah Mitchell in the passing game, but I just think he's become such a weapon for him that uh, him catching two passes wouldn't surprise me. And at a 10 and a half, it's worth a flyer on it to me when it really, he could get that in one screen pass out of the, out of the backfield and you, and you hit the over on the yardage prop. Yeah, definitely. I do think that is actually one of my favorite plays ten and a, going over 10 and a half receiving yards. He ran, you know, over 50% of the routes last week. So he has at least been uh, on the field. And I do think that we're going to see, you know, one or two design touches to maybe alleviate a little bit of that Los Angeles Rams, you know, pressure situation. So uh, I, I like that one quite a bit as well. Obviously he wasn't, you know, overly successful in the regular season against uh, this Rams offense and catching the football. But I think we're going to see, you know, an Elijah Mitchell show here uh, through the passing game, at least a couple times, like you said. So I'm tailing that one with you as well. Like we're in a lot of agreement on the same spots. I'm excited for these matchups for sure. So the two previous games, Elijah Mitchell was a big part of the past game to get here uh, from the Rams standpoint here in a minute. Uh, I'm just going to continue to back Odell Beckham jr. I'm going to go over four and a half in his receptions and over his 52 and a half yards. Stafford has found them early the last two weeks. He's got him involved in the offense. I think he'll do it again. Yeah, I, I like Cooper Cup here as well. I do think, you know, over the middle, obviously, uh, the the real strength of this 49ers defense is definitely that front four. Don't have to pressure a whole lot, so I do, or don't have to blitz a whole lot. So I do think that uh, we're going to need to see Cooper Cup kind of win on some of those early routes uh, underneath. So him going over 7.5 receptions has been a spot I definitely liked, uh, and I'm definitely going to be riding that one as well here uh, on Sunday night. So. Give him a follow on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Ben Brown from Football Focus. Appreciate the time on this Saturday. Enjoy Championship Sunday. All right, coming up next, 
We'll get into the NBA slate this evening. My picks here on Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is point spread saturday on vsin the sports betting network If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many, many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get all of your podcasts. Welcome back into Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Appreciate you spending championship weekend with us here on the Sports Betting Network. Uh, plenty more to do here. Uh, coming up next hour, we'll talk with Joe Ranieri of Wager Talk and Sports Grid as we continue our breakdown of the championship games in the NFL. Right now, let's switch from the gridiron to the hardwood of the association. A small slate of games in the NBA tonight, just six games. Uh, as we look forward and a couple of uh, major trends that I'm going to tail uh, in the games tonight, but I'll focus on three games specifically uh, here for the plays for myself this evening in the NBA. Let's start in Dallas where the Mavericks are hosting the Indiana Pacers. Mavs are laying nine and a half points in a total of 216. Now Dallas is on two days rest. Uh, the Pacers are coming off a back to back where they won last night against Oklahoma city on the road. Uh, so it's back-to-back -back road games and back-to-back -back games, 113-110 uh, in overtime. Mavericks, one of the better spread teams in the NBA. Uh, they're 28-21 and 21 against the number. That's 57%. The Mavs, as a favorite this year, are 22-5 and five against the number. That is 81%. That's third best in the NBA and 13-3 and three at home. Um, as a favorite, that's 81%. So this is a big number here. Um, but I'll back the Mavs at a half unit just because of the big number scares me a little bit uh, of a possible backdoor cover. The Pacers with a rest disadvantage, four and seven against the number. OK, and the Mavs, they allow the third fewest points in the NBA. So this is a strong Mavericks defensive team. And this is going up against an Indiana offense that's in the bottom third of the league in points per game. And because they are on a back to back, you expect rest to be a major issue for Indiana here. In fact, as well, with this nine and a half 
I like the under 216. The Mavericks had eight straight unders come in prior to their last two games going over. I don't think this over trend is going to continue for one of the top defensive teams in the league. So I'll play the under here as well. And the Mavs laying nine and a half uh, against the Indiana Pacers coming off that back-to-back with the Mavs are a rested team. uh, And they get home court advantage tonight where they've been very strong all season long. So again, back in the Mavs at minus nine and a half and under 216. Next game up, Washington Wizards are in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. Uh, And the trend here, home favorites on a back-to-back versus a team with three days rest are just one and seven against the number this year. That's 12.5% to the cover. And that's the situation the Grizzlies face. The Grizzlies played last night, got a big win at home over the Utah Jazz, 119-109. They're welcoming in a Washington Wizards team that currently sits eighth in the Eastern Conference uh, and a team that's actually below 500 at this point in time. The Wizards are on three days rest. Uh, and so Memphis is eight and six against the number against non-conference. So not exactly a trend that you know follows them uh, as far as covering this spot. Washington is seventh in the NBA in field goal percentage. So it's a good shooting team, not necessarily a high scoring team, but a good shooting team. And the fact that they're on three days rest and in a major rest advantage and it's a short number. I get it. And it's almost more enticing that way that you would say, why, why is Memphis only favored by five and a half over a very middle of the road, bottom Eastern kind of team against Washington? Well, part of it is the fact that it's telling you this game's going to be a lot closer than what you think. Uh, I, I'll back Washington here getting five and a half. I thought the number last night when I was looking at this game was going to be a little bit larger. I was hoping for more of a seven or eight point kind of situation for Memphis, but I'll still back the trend here again. Home teams on a back-to-back versus teams playing three days rest, one and seven against the number so far. Uh, again, the situation hasn't materialized all that much this year, but um, it's a, it's a trend that I'm going to back here and take the Washington Wizards getting five and a half. And a similar trend here for um, the New Orleans Pelicans against the Boston Celtics. Boston on the part of a back-to-back, back-to-back road games. They lost in Atlanta last night. They'll be on the road again against New Orleans. New Orleans catching five and a half points here. It's a similar spot where the favorite does not cover um, all that often in this spot. So uh, a small play on New Orleans as well, backing that trend. Finally, the big game of the night that everybody's going to be looking at here between Brooklyn and Golden State. Golden State laying six uh, and a total of 231 and a half. This is one of these games where clearly you have to wait to get to the window to see who's playing and who's not. It's a road game. Um, Kyrie Irving could play in this game. I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure of the rules in California about vaccination or whatever, the way it is in New York, he can't play in New York unless he's vaccinated uh, clearly Kyrie Irving in the vaccination deal, but you have to wait and see who's going to play uh, in this spot. James Harden has had to carry this Nets team over the last couple of weeks. And even he now is being the subject of trade rumors. Um, my initial feeling is back in Golden State and laying the six points here. Golden State 16 and five against the number against non-conference opponents. That's number two in the NBA. Brooklyn just nine and ten against non-conference opponents this year. Golden State comes in winning four in a row, looking for their fifth consecutive home win. Brooklyn has lost three in a row coming into this game and have sort of been backpedaling a little bit here. Uh, as still as they sit atop the standings in the in the Eastern Conference, you know I. I I just don't get a good feeling about the spot where um, the the Brooklyn Nets are right now. Um, and, and Golden State starting to pick up a little bit here. 
as, as I mentioned, winning four in a row. I'm going to back Golden State, but I have to see who's playing. So it's one of those deals where I have to wait a little bit uh, before I go to the window and make sure I get all the players that I need to play. Draymond Green is still going to be out for the Warriors, but um, you know what's Clay Thompson's situation? How much is he going to play? Uh, these are the things you kind of have to wait to take into a handicap, take into account for your handicap. You're not going to be able to get to the window until you know 75 minutes before tip-off here, because because you got to wait and see who's in and who's out. Uh, as I mentioned again, the Brooklyn Nets. Now at 29 and 19, even though they're sitting technically in fifth in the East, just two and a half games out of that top spot. And the top in the East has gotten very, very crowded between the first six teams. Um, two and a half games separate the top six teams in the East. And so um, every game crucially important. But uh, Golden State starting to separate from everybody else in the West, along with Phoenix. Um, they are three and a half games behind the Suns, but yet three games in front of Memphis, who sits in the three seed right now. So uh, Golden State continuing to assert themselves. One of the best offensive teams in the league, one of the best defensive teams in the league as well. And that's part of the reason I can back them laying the six points is their defense. Um, I think they're second or third in the league here, giving up just 101 points per game. So um, those are my four NBA plays for tonight. Going to back the Mavs, laying a big number at nine and a half. And I also like the under 216 there. I'll be behind Washington getting five and a half and the same thing with New Orleans based off of that trend where the opponent uh, is playing on a back to back and they are on two or three days rest. And the, the, the three days rest trend favors uh, the Wizards here. Uh, it's only two days rest for the New Orleans Pelicans against the Boston Celtics. And then, of course, Brooklyn and Golden State. Uh, I will lay the six points with Golden State, but still going to wait and see uh, what the playing situation is for those teams in those games. One final note on the NBA that is worth noting here about the MVP race and the MVP odds. I mentioned the Philadelphia 76ers before Joel Embiid at one point was a 50 to one long shot to win the MVP in the NBA He is currently sitting right now as the favorite. Uh, what a surge it's been for Joel Embiid when it comes to um, the MVP race and how he has asserted himself into this thing and at the top of it. And clearly, you know, if you missed at this point in time, I'm not sure there's a ton of value in betting on him, given where he was, uh, especially since it's not a hundred percent lock for him to win this thing. There's still a lot of basketball left and who knows what's going to happen at the trade deadline, how teams are going to improve, how they're going to look worse. There's still, you know, the home stretch here of the NBA regular season that you're going to have to get through here. But it is remarkable to see a guy who is that much of a long shot now work his way into being the favorite in the MVP race. Uh, Joel Embiid has been phenomenal uh, the entire season and put a 76ers team on his back that, frankly, doesn't have a lot of depth behind him and Ben Simmons, who isn't playing. Um, and so uh, just to watch him uh, take over this year has been impressive. He's averaging just under 29 points per game uh, and clearly has has been the key reason why the Philadelphia 76ers are at the top of the Eastern Conference and have a shot um, to be the number one seed. This is a, a Sixers team for the record. I, I think they will make a move at the deadline. I think Ben Simmons gets dealt to somebody to try and improve this roster uh, as they make a huge playoff push, but I just don't know who it is to deal with the Sacramento Kings fell through. They're not, he's not going to go there. Atlanta was is a possible destination. Probably not going to happen there, but um, again, tip of the cap to Joel Embiid. Now your favorite in the MVP race in the NBA. All right, coming up next, back to conference championship Sunday. And you'll hear from some of the main players in Conference Championship Sunday from the Chiefs, the Rams, 49ers, and Cincinnati Bengals. That's coming up next. I'm Mark Zeno. You've been watching and listening to Point Spread Saturday on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.